It's Debbie Cook, and I am back with the March edition of the D&B Supply Lawn and Garden Podcast, and I am really excited to be here doing this. For those of you that aren't familiar, I, for the past, boy, ever, for past ever, um, did the D&B Supply Garden Show on KIDO, and um, some of you may recognize my voice from there. I am a gardener. I am an arborist, and I am really excited to be doing this podcast and being given the opportunity to continue to talk about gardening. So without further ado, let's talk a little bit about March because yay, cool things going on in March. Uh, first of all, March 20th is the spring equinox. So yes, first day of spring happens in March, and that's pretty darn exciting. Um, I thought what I'd do this month is do... March tips of the trade. There are so many things we need to be thinking about this time of year when it comes to gardening that I thought I would remind you of a few of those chores that you might uh, put on your list or some things that you might consider. So um, one of the things that I wanted to mention first, only because the season is so short, and if you are interested in bare root plants, this is the time of year where you really need to pay attention to what's going on and get what you can at your earliest, at the earliest chance that you see them. Um, lots of different things are going to be available to you bare root right now. And what do I mean by bare root? Basically, they harvest the plants when they're a little bit smaller. They wash all of the soil off of the root system. Then they're packaged in a moist, um, medium of some sort. It could be sawdust. It could be shredded up newspaper um, and package it up. And that's how we get it. So what might you find in bare root? Fruit trees are really commonly found as bare root plants. Um, but you can also find all kinds of herbal or of um, herbaceous plants like berries, grapes, um, asparagus crowns, strawberry crowns, um, Lots of different, um, lots of different things you're going to be able to find bare root. The advantage of this is one, you're going to find them. They're the earliest plants that are going to be available to you. Um, they're probably the least expensive if you're looking for a larger plant other than seeds. Um, they're probably going to be the least expensive for you. Um, they're easy to move around as far as trees are concerned because there's no soil to deal with. And because there's no soil, you're able to see the roots. You can look at roots that may be uh, diseased, they may be dead, they may be twisted and wrapped around something, but you can easily take a good look at the roots um, and then uh, soak them for a few hours and put them right in the ground and you're going to be able to get those things established pretty quickly. So look for bare root plants. Like I said, they're some of the earliest to show up um, and you're going to be really happy with, I think, the way that they establish and get started for you. So don't discount those, even though you might see these bare looking um, sticks or plants, because typically they are a dormant, uh, in a dormant state when they come to us. So they may start to leaf out, but um, typically they're going to be dormant when you plant them. So that's, you know, that's a good thing, too. I want to talk a little bit about pruning. Because lots of us who have sharp saws will get out there and do some pruning this time of year. And it's a really good time of year to prune different types of plants. 
but I do want to caution you about your early spring bloomers. So that would be things like your forsythia, your lilacs, your, um, our state flower, the syringa, anything that blooms real early, your crab apples, your, um, Eastern red buds, any of those kind of things are blooming on buds that were formed last year. So if you prune those things this time of year, you're going to be pruning off all your flower buds. So will you kill the plant? No, you won't. But what you will do, like I said, is you'll, you know, you'll be pruning off all your flower buds and you'll miss the bloom this year. So when's the best time to prune those early spring bloomers? Right after they finish blooming. They set their buds very early for um, the next year. So probably by the first part of July, they have begun to set their flower buds for the next spring. So anything I'm going to say that blooms after or that blooms before mid-June, wait until after they finish and then prune immediately afterwards. So that's a tip to keep your spring bloomers blooming for you. Um, another tip that, that I think is a good tip this time of year, because I know a lot of us have sprinkler systems with clocks that we really may or may not know how to operate. So I am going to give you homework, and that is learn how to run your sprinkler clock and learn how to change it uh, seasonally. Why is that important? Because in the spring, when it's not so hot, the, tree, the plants aren't transpiring so much moisture. They don't use as much of the water that we give to them, or they use it more slowly. And as the season progresses and it heats up, they need more water because they're transpiring more moisture. They're using more of the water that we put you know, into the ground. So if you set your sprinklers now and leave them through the whole season and don't do anything other than turn them off um, at the end of the season, at some time of the year, you are either overwatering or underwatering your plants. And I can't stress enough how important it is to um, pay attention to how much water you're putting into the soil um, because some of the most common plant problems we see have to do with overwater. So um, I like to advise people to water like they would normally do, wait 24 hours, and then go out and check and see how deep your moisture has gone. And it should be going probably um, 8 to 12 inches around your plants, depending on what you're watering. Um, and then you should adjust accordingly. If it's wet, you can cut back. If it's dry, add more time, not more days. So. Uh, a tip there, and we'll talk more about irrigation as we get into the summer when we should really start paying attention to um, drought stress and that kind of thing. But for right now, the tip is learn how to run your sprinkler clock. Um, March, a rule of thumb, pre-emergent should be used about the time the forsythia blooms. And the forsythia is that really pretty yellow shrub that you see blooming. It's one of the earliest things you'll see blooming in the season. Um, it blooms when the soil temperature is about 50 degrees. And that is about the temperature that um, weed seeds begin to germinate as well. So once you see the um, forsythia start to bloom, 
it's a great time to put a pre-emergent down wherever you want to eliminate weeds. So here's the kicker on that. Your pre-emergent is not only going to keep weed seeds from germinating, it's going to keep all seeds from germinating. So careful that you don't use it if you want um, in a flower bed. If you like an area to reseed, don't use your pre-emergent in that area because it will keep your flower seeds from um, germinating as well. It's great to use in your lawn for any of the grassy uh, or summer weeds that we find in our grass like um, spurge or uh, dandelions, uh, thistle seeds may be affected by pre-emergent. Anything with a seed, what it does is it just stops it from germinating. So keep that in mind. It's a great time to use it uh, when the forsythia is blooming, kind of a rule of thumb. Um, Wanted to give you a heads up, if you are ordering plants, if you have ordered plants from a catalog, don't freak out when you get them, because I think what you'll find is that they are, they look kind of dead most of the time when you order plants, because they ship them when they are very dormant, as they should. Anything that you have ordered, any bare root plant that I talked about earlier in the show, get those things in the ground as soon as you can. Um, they're going to be much healthier and happier once you get them in the ground than they ever will be in those little containers or little plastic bags that they come in. So once again, I would expect that the plants, if you have ordered those, they will also come bare root. Most of them will. Some will come packed in, you know, in little containers of soil, but they will most likely all be dormant when they come. Tell you what, there's going to be a lot of people planting a lot of things. Uh, this time of year. You can begin to plant your lettuces and your spinach and um, any of those cool crops, which take, which, you know, can take the real cool weather, can be planted outside. But I wanted to talk a little bit about potatoes right now, because here we are, Idaho. And while potatoes are really inexpensive to purchase at the grocery store, they're also really kind of fun to grow because they're easy to grow. And so I thought I'd um, talk a little bit about that. Lots of different um, ideas, but they're all, you know, cool. potatoes are a very cool season crop. They like it cool. These are the white potatoes. So any of the russet potatoes, by white, I mean, you know, whether they're yellow or the red potatoes, but by white potatoes, I mean, they're not sweet potatoes. Um, so the white potatoes really like cool, cool weather. When you're looking for potatoes to plant, please don't purchase um, or plant potatoes from the grocery store while they will grow. What we're looking for here are certified seed potatoes that you can purchase at, you know, D&B will have several different varieties of potatoes to choose from, but, and, you know, but please use the certified ones. Why is that? Because we are a potato, an agricultural potato growing state. Uh, we want to be sure that there are no weird diseases brought into the state that could affect our crops. Um, and so um, it's important that the seeds, uh, the potatoes that you plant, like I said, are from certified seed potatoes. So make sure you look for those. What are you going to look for when you plant them? Well, you're going to look for the eyes. And we've all had potatoes sprout in our pantry. And when you... Um, cut them and you will cut them up into little pieces, which you certainly can do. You don't plant the whole potato. 
but you want to make sure that it's maybe an average of golf ball size with um, about two eyes per piece. Usually you'll cut them a few days before you plant them so that those freshly cut um, sides have a chance to kind of callus over a little bit and dry out before we put them in the ground. But when you do put them in the ground, you're going to put them, you're going to dig a trench. Um, and the way potatoes grow is they grow along the stem of the plant. So the deeper the stem, the more potatoes are going to develop along that stem. So we're going to do a trench that's about six to eight inches deep. And we're going to put those seed pieces in the bottom of that trench. And we're going to cover them up with about three inches of, of soil. And then as they grow, we're going to let them grow. And when they get to be about, I don't know, 10, 12 inches tall, you're going to cover the stem about halfway up. And you're going to continue to do that until that trench is full. And you can even hill them up after that. Because like I said, they will continue to produce potatoes along that stem. Um, when the plants begin to bloom, that's a good time to know that you can sort of dig around and um, once they finish up and find yourself some new potatoes, which are the little potatoes that you can pull out and um, eat right away. They won't store, but they're yummy with creamed peas and potatoes. Um, but once the plant dies back, and it's not till late summer is when that's going to happen, because depending on the variety of potato, it'll be anywhere from, you know, 70 to 120 days before you um, will get um, potatoes, depending, I said, like on the variety. But when the plant gets yellow and dies back, that's your indication that it's time to dig the potatoes. And of course, we'll talk more about harvesting when it gets, you know, closer to harvest time. But for now, um, when do you plant them? Well, old timers in New England said they planted them when the dandelions bloomed. The Pennsylvania Dutch said that they planted them St. Patrick's Day and um, early Christians planted them on Good Friday. So you can see that there's a little window. Um, you just want to be sure that you get them in the ground before it gets too hot, uh, like I said, and that they have between 70 and 120 days to, uh, to get ready. So good luck with those. If you want to plant sweet potatoes, we can certainly grow those around here too. They are really, um, they like it really, really hot. They are extremely frost sensitive. They do not like cold soil at all. So, um, and they're planted differently. They are planted by slips. So you can either purchase slips, which are basically little starts that are growing out of the eyes, or once those things, you can see where the little, um, the little eyes are and they're starting to sprout, you can scoop those out with, um, I had a friend who used to scoop them out with a melon baller. So you have a little piece of that potato but he would plant those, get them started in a, in, indoors. He would put them in a cup and start them indoors and, um, and grow them that way. And then plant the slips once they have roots on them. Can you plant the whole potato? No, you really can't because it's, there's no root system attached to those slips and they really need to be separated out with a root system developed before you stick them in the ground. Um, but they're a fun thing to do. It's the same thing. You would bury them in hills and um, late fall, once again, after about 70 to 120 days, it's about the same amount of time, but it'll be later in the season because you'll plant them later. 
So there's certainly um, some fun things you can do with potatoes. So keep that in mind if you want to give it a try. I thought I might try to plant them in a container um, with a bottom cut out, plant the potatoes, and then instead of hilling them up with soil, I'm going to try hilling them up with straw. And at the end of the season, my plan is to lift up the container and there will be potatoes all clean and nice laying there on my straw. What do you think? Think it'll work? I'll keep you posted because it seems like a good idea. Um, so we'll see. So I've had some questions about chick days because I know some of you um, raise chickens, are looking for chickens, are interested in starting to grow or starting, starting to raise chickens. So D&B, famous for their chick days. Are they going to have it? Yes, they are. Um, and what can I tell you about it right now? What I can tell you right now is that um, every store has their own variety um, and different varieties might be at different stores. So what I would suggest, if you are interested in chickens or little baby chicks, give a call to your local D&B store and um, talk to them about the varieties you're looking for and when those chickens are actually going to be available to you. So that is going to be fun. If you want more information on chickens, um, my dear friend Gretchen Anderson has a blog on raising chickens. And in fact, there are so many wonderful blogs. Melinda Stafford has a blog on bees. Um, the, this is a, the garden tips will be, you know, will be on there, but you can go to blog.mydbsupply.com for any of these blogs that we, I think you're going to find really, really helpful. But, um, right now, if you're looking for fresh eggs and entertaining pets, don't forget about chick days and check out what Gretchen Anderson has to say about taking care of those things. Um, she'll be, she has, she'll be talking about varieties and all kinds of fun things, different varieties, lay different colored eggs. So keep that in mind. It'll be pretty fun. Um, fall or, you know, spring cleanup that we didn't get to in the fall. Now, of course, because if you left your perennials standing and your grass is standing, um, for wildlife through the winter, now is certainly the time to get those perennials and those grasses cut back before the new growth begins. So it just makes it easier that you don't have to fight around the new growth. Some plants, um, for example, some of the poppies, some of the peonies, oh, not the peonies, but some of the poppies and some of um, the chrysanthemums will send up little rosettes of green. They may have even sent them up last fall, but you'll certainly see them coming up now. Don't cut those green leaves off. Just cut off, uh, just cut off the dead that's there. Um, and that will, I think you'll find that, you know, a good way to clean up your garden and get everything right now, but leave that greenery because it's starting to do its thing. Um, so if you are having a, just a couple quick tips on pruning trees, and that would be is if you are pruning trees or if you are hiring someone to prune trees or if someone knocks on your door and says they want to top your trees because they're too tall, please don't top your trees. It's one of the most harmful things you can do to a tree. I mean, not only does it destroy its natural uh, beauty, it uh, causes all kinds of trouble down the road for the tree. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. but honestly. Um, that's the best piece of advice I might be able to give you today. 
The other thing that I want to give you a quick piece of advice on is if you are working in your garden or have work to do in your garden and it has been wet and rainy, which is the perfect time to go out and pull weeds and do all that kind of stuff. Try not to walk on your soil or work the soil when it's really wet. Why is that? Because we want to be really precious about the pores and um, all of the things that are happening in the top of the soil. And if we walk on them, it compresses it. And uh, basically, all of those little uh, pockets, those little pores or air pockets, if those are compressed, there's nowhere for the oxygen to go. And your, your roots, as much as they need moisture, they need oxygen just as much. And without that oxygen, your roots are going to begin to decay. So um, try not to work in wet soil. So that is a start. If you continue to work through this list, you will be busy people for the whole month. I want to give you um, a website that I think that you will find most helpful. And that is, it's the Pacific Northwest Pest Alert Network. And um, what it is, it's the Pacific Northwest. So it's, you know, Washington, Oregon, Idaho. And this particular network, um, you can sign up. You can basically Google pnwpestalert.net. You can, that's the website, pnwpestalert.net. If you sign up for that um, alert, they will send you a notification whenever an insect uh, that they have um, that they might be har- finding harmful or of interest. They'll send you an email or a little or a message saying, "We found something to tell you right now," and they will tell you when your coddling moth, which gives you wormy apples, is has been found in the valley. They'll tell you when. Bill bugs have been found in the valley who, that might affect your lawn. So this pest alert network is something that I can't recommend highly enough. It was started here um, by the Canyon County Master Gardeners. And you can certainly go to the Canyon County Master Gardener website and get information on the pest alert network there. Or you can go directly, like I said, to pnwpestalert.net. Um, and check it out. It's, it will be really helpful to you. The other thing that will be helpful to you, once again, is the blogs, which are blog.mydbsupply.com. Um, all kinds of great information on that website that you'll find, and I mentioned earlier, about honeybees, about chickens, about gardening. So that's it for me for March Tips of the Trade. Thanks so much for listening this month. I will be back in April with more garden talk on the DNB Supply Lawn and Garden Podcast. So thanks for listening. See you next month. Bye-bye.